0: it takes wisdom and patience and failing and dying to yourself a little bit letting your ego go letting your pride go and and I, eventually i you know once i finally put this out and met just a couple readers you know anybody i was like you know what i being a writer these days is not going to make you money it's not for the fame or or anything like that writing is how i process my world
1: That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with triathlete photographer and author of the memoir trilogy the terrible love memoirs marie wishart we talk about the first book in the series ignite which is out now as well as what readers can look forward to in the next two books the terrible love memoirs chronicles the protagonist ruby's path to and ultimately through a premature existential crisis raw real and packed with emotions ruby's journey will resonate with readers of all walks of life Marie was a complete pleasure to talk to, and you can also listen to more of Marie on her own Instagram page where she interviews other authors. As always, thanks to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast. Marie Wishart, how are you doing this evening?
0: I am fantastic. Thank you. How about yourself?
1: I'm good. Thank you. Um, really excited to have you on the show, Marie. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, you are, among many things, uh, the author of uh, a book called Ignite, which is the first in a planned trilogy, if I'm understanding that correctly. Yes, you are. Yeah. Um, beyond that, also uh, married, mother of two boys, a triathlete. My sister actually also previously was an avid triathlete. I don't know that she competes as much anymore, um, but that's super cool. And then a, a photographer. So that's fun.
0: I like to keep myself active, you know. <laughs> Never a dull Yeah, that's
1: that's a full plate for sure. So, I certainly want to talk about you and 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 kind of get inside the, the mind of the author a bit. But I, I'm curious on Ignite. You know, I've read the synopsis and things myself, but I don't want to um, I don't want to to butcher it at all. So, if you wouldn't mind, could you just kind of give readers an idea of what Ignite is about or what they could find in the book?
0: Absolutely. Okay, so with this book, really, you're getting the start of what is a memoir trilogy. Um, So it is a first person driven narrative story of a woman kind of assessing what started her, you know, just kind of journey into womanhood, and what brought her to the point where she is, you know, and she kind of is coming to this crossroads where everything that she's built and everything that she is just really is festering inside her. She's like, I've missed out on all of these things I wanted to do with my life. And, um, and then she kind of reaches this moment where everything just starts um, crumbling. And so it is the story of, of those pieces kind of all putting together and then kind of ending in one moment. Uh, it it needed three books, uh, this story to be told. So book one just sort of became this inception, backstory piece to to set up the stage.
1: Okay. And am I correct, and I hope I'm not giving too much away here, um, but am I correct in that the main character is this very ambitious woman who's like out, you know, making her own life, making her own way and kind of, I I don't want to say bucking the norm, but certainly not settling into maybe a traditional role of, of wife and caregiver and that sort of thing. And then, but then kind of has an unexpected pregnancy. And that is what then kind of pushes her into the more, again, for lack of a better way to say, it, traditional life. And then eventually something happens that kind of shakes her back out of that. Is, that, is yes. that right?
0: That is exactly right. You know, it's this ambitious college student who's like, I'm a feminism. Like, I I just champion these things. I'm going to fight everything. She's from the Midwest. And so in the Midwest, there's all of these very mm-hmm. normal, you know, just wholesome stereotypes that, that you've got to embrace and, you know, from a religious background. And um, she just always wanted to get out of that mold and be like, there's so much more to experience in life. But then at the the heart of it all, you know, she becomes pregnant. She goes through the whole process of I'm, I'm going to give up my baby and I'm going to carry on living my life and and then just crumbles at the last second and is like, I can't do it. I have to keep right. this baby and I'm going to do whatever it takes and so she does and she just sort of you know becomes this mom and you know she goes and gets her dental degree and buys a dental practice and is like just living the you know the life that she's supposed to live and it's wholesome and it's good and everyone is like you did the right thing and and inside she's always like oh yeah i i did but i'm i've completely denied myself but there's always that mindset of like it's okay this is what i'm supposed to do and um right like once all of the things around her start unraveling and she starts noticing that, Hey, like I'm here. And even though I've done all of these things, I ha I don't have this fulfillment that I want to have. And, um, she's always been one that like bucks the love. And I think that that is a continuation on into the next story where she's really like looking at herself and saying, why didn't I do that? Um, so book one is like, I let it all go. I, I didn't ever chase love. I just was like, I'm going to be out there living the life that like I can produce and I can make money and I can be a, you know, the person for my family, but I'm not going to get trapped with that full love thing. Um, right. And so that, you know, I mean, that's like her trigger moment in uh, ignite where she, she meets someone and is like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> And it completely just, Upends everything that she knew to be okay, and, and she, you know that that kind yeah. of starts it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think so. A, a few things are are, are uh, that I think are really um, interesting, and, and um, I, I don't. know. I think it's important to to have this kind of story out there because. So I'm from Springfield, Missouri. So when you're talking oh, about the Midwest, gosh. I couldn't be more Midwest. I'm like literally in the center.
0: My went to college at um evangel
1: oh so okay. i drove there to
0: springfield go. like every semester
1: <laughs> well fair enough then you, you may be the only guest that wasn't just already a local that i've ever had that even knows that this is on the map so oh, good Jimmy.
0: for us yes oh god uh, there was like a bar it was like oh O'Hara or oh it and H or something like that that she worked at downtown and we would go with it was like the super cool i, I love springfield yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's so cool. Um But it will and, and so you yourself are originally, if I understand correctly, originally from North Dakota and then now live in California. So you've kind of seen yeah. both worlds. I mean, it's a stereotype or a cliche to say, like, oh, well, there's like like this coastal kind of attitude, and then there's like the flyover states or whatever. And obviously that's a, a bit too uh, binary for how people really are. Absolutely. But I do think that there is a reality to like. I think that in Especially, maybe it's just more populated areas. Um, I don't know if it's just on the coast. It's probably true in Chicago, too, right? But like whenever you're in a more populated city, I think that that people, especially women, feel more empowered to kind of live the life that maybe they want to live. And you're right about the Midwest, like, and it, it's not it's nothing about like their mental fortitude or anything like that. It's just a cultural norm almost almost everyone is married in their mid 20s right and whether, maybe they don't have kids or whatever but there is this almost unspoken and I don't know if it's a pressure but just this commonality to like I don't know you go to school you graduate you find a mate you marry you, you know and maybe you have a career but it's not just yours right there's not as much independence in that um
0: It's so true. I love that you know that because now coming out here and being in San Diego, it's like everyone's like, yeah, well, duh, like, you know, and I'm sitting here going, but you don't understand Um, because when I was in Fargo, I actually started writing this series as a means of like writing myself out and challenging myself to change and do, you know, it was a very similar parallel to my life thing. But I ended up putting this out as a memoir, a fictional trilogy, because I wanted to I wanted to get creative and I wanted to kind of drive it more. And in my head, the whole time I'm writing, I'm like, write a story that's never been written, shock people, like draw people in. But that, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm exaggerating the Fargo mentality or that Midwestern mentality uh, because there really is this idea one, that you've got to stick to it, um, Mm -hmm. and the idea that you have to stay. Uh, that was another big one because, you know, somebody I was talking to the other day, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a dentist out here in San Diego. And they're like, you practiced in Fargo? And they're like, I didn't know people left Fargo. And I'm like, they don't <laughs> often.
1: <laughs> it's probably more rare that people move than people leave maybe, right? <laughs> move to mm-hmm. there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So. Huh.
1: No, yeah, that's, I just, I yeah. So I just think it's really interesting because I don't hear people. um And again, obviously, you're a unique blend of the Midwest and someone who lives now on the coast. But yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right that it's something that's not understood by people who haven't lived in the Midwest. And for people who have only lived in the Midwest, it's like, what are you talking about? This is just the way it is. And it's like, no, like there's there's so many different ways that life can play out. Um, and, And it's possible that for someone, maybe they would prefer the 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 lifestyle that you're talking about that this character wants to to move away from right so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that one's better or worse than the other but more just that like there's so many options available okay. um so i'm also interested and this is kind of a a bizarre question perhaps but i understand that you wrote the book in first person
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so i've i honestly I, I in the last few years i've really taken to reading a lot more non-fiction type stuff but of the fiction books I've read, the only series I can think of that was written in first person was The Hunger Games, which is obviously wildly popular and successful. Um, And I thought it was really interesting to read the book in the first person, but I'm curious as the writer, and obviously you said this is kind of a, to some extent based on your own experience and kind of a fictionalized, exaggerated version of some of your own experiences. But when writing in the first person, does that help you stay in the lane of the character more Or do you find yourself, like, is it more challenging maybe because you're kind of blurring the line between, wait, is this me or is this the character right now? Does that make sense even, that question?
0: (laughs) Yes, it does. It does. And that is a hard one because the first go around, I wrote this in first person and I was going for memoir. And then I was like, this is flat and it's boring. But I was so stuck in my head to be like, if it's first person, I have to tell it, I have to be truthful. It took me stepping away from the work for two years and picking it back up again. And finally just like reconciling that I I was going to turn it into fiction. And then all of a sudden I I let a bunch of things go. And I, I just freed myself to like mentally, I still have to like, Go through it all in my head, right? Like I have to yeah. go for a run and like have this scene and play it out and have these conversations, uh, so that I can put myself in that that mode of the character. Because I definitely am someone where I, I have to at least feel and or believe that it happened. <laughs> does right, that make sense? right.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, it does. Well, and so something else you just said. So I, one of my, I mean, I've had a, a friend of mine. We we've been best friends since we were six years old. Um, so literally grew up with him. And he has a master's degree in uh, creative writing. And so one time I was trying to to write a poem for a girl, <laughs> frankly. And, uh, and so I asked him because he, he has a it's the creative writing, but he actually it's in poetry specifically. So like he's he's the guy, right? Like he knows how this is done, supposedly, at least. Um, and so i had, I had asked him, like, what do I do? And he gave me a format that I could use. And so I did that. And then and then I gave it to him to help me edit it and not really for the content necessarily as much as just like, does this like, does this make sense? Is it formatted appropriately as and he was like, I think that you're just too constricted in how you think it has to work. Like, yes, there are rules, but like there aren't there aren't like it doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah. And and anyway, the reason I bring up that is, is not to share my own experience, but just because you said that there were some things you had to let go of. And again i was writing a, a poem that was given to one other person and it's not a big deal at all but it was huge for me just in that tiny creative endeavor to have him help me understand like hey you don't have to worry about this fitting into some you know connect the numbers kind of thing or whatever can you talk a little bit about what kinds of things you you learned to let go of that helped you get more into the writing
0: absolutely I, so my first opening was when I finally enlisted help too, and other people would start talking to me and, and, and letting me, giving me permission to say, Hey, you, you don't have to. And I think accepting that was a big one. Um, I think we all have all of these like really big ideas at first when we start on a project and, and we're so like committed to it. Um, and, and there's, you know, people that talk about you know when you write a book, it feels once once you finish, it feels like you've taken a child out into the yard and shot it. Like I, um, I'm oh, totally wow. a blank on who said that, um, but that was a quote. <laughs> like it, it feels so complexly like it, everything inside me was just dying in that moment, and I just I had to let all of that go. And most of it was actually just stepping away from the work and letting my brain focus on another problem. Um, and time, like the great healer of all things, right? Like I needed years away from it to, to read other works and to see what other people were doing and just feel the world, um, which is so crazy to say, but like, I just needed to mature as a person, um, frankly, before I was able to just do what I needed to do. I wish I could say right. there was a magic formula, but I, I have writer friends that I love and I'm like, oh my God, you just so talented. But the hangups that we get are just, they're like emotional hurdles that we're just sitting there. And it's like that, the meme of the horse tied to the chair. And they're like, you know, like sometimes right. the, all of our blocks are mental, like it.
1: Yeah, maybe almost always. I mean, not literally always, but uh, a vast majority of the time, it seems to be that that's the case, right? It's whatever. It's, it's something internal. Um, and so, you know, something else, though, that, that I thought was striking about, I'm jumping back now to what you very, the opening of our conversation here. Yeah. You'd mentioned that, you know, in the book, the character is, is kind of living this life and and it's not an unsuccessful life. But it's something that's like kind of she's fitting herself into a box um, and and then eventually kind of meets someone new. And that kind of breaks down the walls of that box a little bit and, and is like, mm-hmm. I got to get out of this. And I think that that's I, I think that what that speaks to, I, I was reflecting on this recently myself. And obviously it's subjective. I don't mean that this is like a a, a universal truth or something. But I know for me, I, I've I've definitely come to the conclusion years ago, and, and then again, very recently, when I sat and thought about it, that I think the most valuable thing in life is relationships, right? And, and yes. in our society, we put so much emphasis on like, what are you doing? How are you taking care of yourself? How are you? How are you? How is the individual and, and all of that's important? I don't mean to diminish that at all. But it is interesting how much it's when other people come into our lives or react with other people, that that's really where I don't mean, that you did not mean this is a bundle but like that's where the spark gets ignited, right? Like,
0: <laughs> Yep. No, you're it. Like, I couldn't name this book anything else. I Googled right. and I was like, damn it. Every single freaking book is named ignite. There's like a million ignites out there, but <laughs> it is exactly what it was. And yeah. you so are hitting the nail on the head there because it's like, we are our own selves and we just live in our own little universes. And for so long, we do genuinely believe that that's just like, that's it. And that maybe, I mean, I think this, the character of Ruby especially is very isolated in the thinking that she's just like, everyone is like me. She, she doesn't get really that there's so many other things going on out there because she's never been exposed to it. And, mm-hmm. and it is that like really genuinely having a connection with another human being that is entirely different from everything that she's known and it just, mm-hmm. it like kicks something up inside of her that she cannot shut down. And it's, you know, it just, it, it snowballs. On.
1: Right. But I yeah. think,
0: you know, like you said, and, and you don't want to sit there and say, oh, this is a universal thing. But the more that I, you know, started studying this, reading other books and, and kind of being like, okay, I'll, I'm going to make myself the, the foremost expert on whatever the hell this is. Just like, <laughs> right? I'm like, well same midlife crisis like everyone calls it that like it's the same Mm -hmm. kind of thing that so many people who are just going about their daily life and they think they're fine and they just get hit by a semi-truck and they're like well shit today right I am a different person and I can't I can't go back
1: right right yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a fascinating thing to see um, to see when that when that happens with people. So I'm curious. You know, again, we've talked about this as the first book in a trilogy. So do you do you already have the story for the next two books already plotted out, or is it something you kind of discover through the writing process?
0: So book two is out with my uh, developmental editor with Atmosphere right now. So that one, I I was hoping to get that one out March first, so that I was doing a yearly thing, but back in november my whole life just sort of like snowballed into i just had like one catastrophe after another and i it'll probably be the middle of this year by the time it comes out and the lady that i was working with um creatively came up with the title for the second book which is wildfire Mm. and that one i was like when she gave me that title i was like you are my favorite person i (laughs) it needed to go with ignite and it's a wildfire is literally the memoir that Ruby sits down to write at the end of ignite. So ignite is the backstory that sets Mm. up the actual memoir of, you know, when she says you know, to herself, like I ignite basically changes with her challenging herself to change everything. She's like, I I look at my life and I want to, I want to change everything. Uh, So then she sits down and she's like, I'm going to write a memoir. That's wildfire. And that is, I, you know, this is, it's just like she makes herself a list of all the things about herself that she feels like she missed out on or that she wants to change. And she's like, all the time that I'm doing this, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to tell this story so that I can keep myself accountable and and have something to reflect back on and and say, hey, how am I doing? And um, it becomes this crazy story where, you know, she's just. Yeah, yeah, that's a—it's a whole other thing. I'm so excited about it, but at the same time, like I'm terrified. It's—it's a—it's another animal. Like ignite is this cute little story, and it has your one little like love story in there, intermixed, and it—that's, you know, PG, whereas wildfire just goes off the rails,
1: right, as the name wildfire would imply to some extent. Yeah,
0: so that. (laughs) You know, that is very much written. Um, and the the third book from there is going to be, you know, once I, I, I sat down and I read so many memoirs and I read so many books that were just like, oh, this happy little story. And I, I took this one part of my life and I did these, you know, a few things and I wrote about it and here's my journey. And then at the end, I have this tidy little chapter that says, happy ending. And I'm like, because right. oh. most of the time you dissect a person's memoir and you see all of their faults and flaws and they are missing it i you know i i was reading these memoirs and i'm like how are you not seeing your blind spots (laughs) um and so you know book three is gonna be where she's finally like having the aha moments of oh okay now that i'm going back and editing my work that you know maybe i was the problem and maybe this is something that i need to to fix not blame and it so at the end of this all, it's probably going to become much more of a psychological self-help thing. But it's also yeah.
1: entertaining. <laughs> no, I, I think that yeah, but I think that's the most powerful way, right? Like to to be able to combine something that's both um, um educational sounds boring, but whatever informative that, that that does offer people something to glean something from it, while simultaneously being entertaining. Otherwise, it would be like an MIT textbook, and while there's really good information in those that's not what people are sitting around doing on a Friday night. Right. So, right.
0: right. I, so if I can, like, this is so bad, but when I was writing wildfire, I actually wrote wildfire first and then went back to writing night. Cause I was like, oh, I, cool. even from my perspective, I was like, this book would never make sense if it were just that, you know? So I, mm. I, I initially was like, Oh, I can just do a memoir and have this like same thing. And uh, so that's where ignite came from. And at the time, uh, my I, my staff back at my dental office was just going crazy over the freaking Fifty Shades of Grey books. Like, right. crazy. And I read them, and of course, I'm just pissed. This is shit. This is the worst writing. This is, like, <laughs> bad story, and this is so not real. And yeah. So in my, like, little throwing down the gauntlet to myself, I'm like, I'm going to write a book, and it's going to kind of, like, be a little racy like that but it's gonna be real and it's gonna show all the sides and it's gonna make people like you know do the same kind of like oh my god that's crazy but it's I, <laughs> right so I, I, I went there which was
1: no cool. i love it no i love it i think that's awesome um yeah i remember the 50 shades of gray craze and i was also surprised at how popular it became but uh I'm not always the fan of everything that's popular, so that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh-huh. and, and I also, the book series, um, oh, what was the one they did the movies? Insurgent was one of them. Oh, I can't believe I'm totally oh, drawing a blank. I think
1: I know what you're It I I started you're with about Divergent, now. and then it right. went to
0: Insurgent, and then there was a, or something. By the time I read the third book, I had like a mission in life. I was like, I want to fix this. I I did not like the way the third book finished so much that all I could focus on for like a year was, what if I rewrote that book and put it the way I wanted it to go?
1: I read the Hunger Games. Um, by the time I got to the end of the Hunger Games, I was like, and this is to be clear, I mean before I actually finished it. so I'm I'm in the last book, maybe towards the end of it and I was like, I don't know how satisfied I am with this because the way it seems like it's going spoiler alert, by the way, for anyone who's not seen or read these by now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I was like, I kind of don't like it because it feels like they've created a single person that is a villain as opposed to um maybe an idea or a culture being more responsible for it and then that completely all gets turned on its head when the you know the real villain is uh, revealed at the end if you will and all that kind of stuff right and so i was like and so then when i actually finished the book i was like much more satisfied by the ending and the reason i explain all that is to say how much do you think the ending of a book matters versus the content leading up to the ending. Does that make sense at all?
0: Oh my gosh. That is, that's like the best question I think I've ever been asked. Um, Because (laughs) we all remember the ending, you know, the ending just sticks with us. And even if you can experience something like for me, I thought the first book divergent was, was amazing. I read it in like a day. And so then I picked up the next two books. I have a sour, like it ruined everything for me. At the end Mm -hmm. when I didn't like the ending. So there is definitely something about an ending that if it doesn't give you what you want as a reader, it is going to take away from the experience. I I 100% would say that because, I mean, for me as a person, that is my... Mm -hmm. It's not something I can even fix or have control over. I I instinctually react that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was was interesting with Hunger Games because it was almost like the ending actually made it for me like if the ending wouldn't have been as good as it was I think I would have felt more dissatisfied with all of it but then because the ending was satisfaction or satisfactory it was like oh now I appreciate the rest of it even more which is a weird mental process to go through because it's like a retroactive (laughs) uh liking of it or something I don't know strange obviously I liked it well enough to read it anyway
0: that's the fun part about creating a story is to take people on and like spin these little tales and be like, well, I think I'm going to drag them here for a little while and dangle that carrot and then just like shoot it out the window and everything that they just think they knew. I'm going to be like, and nope, completely changed. Right. Um, and yeah, ignite. I think you, you stick with it. that storyline. Like I said, once again, like it's, it's easy. That is easy reading, like easy listening. It is like a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a book that's going to just, Whereas wildfire is the one that like people have to want to hang on. Um, Right. And I think that's part of a trilogy is that you have to build so much trust from your reader that they're like, I care about what is going on enough to maybe power through the ugly and to push through the uncomfortable. And when a scene is like, Oh my God, I, you know, I'm not going to put this down and I'm not going to stop. You know, that's,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've I've talked to some other authors before, too, and I know I've noticed this as as just a fan of, you know, movies and books and that sort of stuff that in a trilogy, the second one is usually my favorite Um, because it's like in the first one, there's a lot of care taken to, like, establish things and create the world and create the characters. And in the third one, it's like, well, now we have to kind of conclude it and, and maybe it doesn't wrap up perfectly, but there's some neatness needed. But the second one, much like a wildfire, is just like, hey, we can do anything, right? Because we don't have to start and we don't have to end. Like, we just get to do all the crazy middle stuff. Um, Yes. Is that been your experience in thinking about it?
0: Oh, heck yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I have been writing this story since 2015, I want to say. Mm. And when I first started, you know, like I said, I wrote Wildfire went back, wrote Ignite. And I was actually going to have one big book. And that was the initial thing. And I was working with an editor and I was just like mentally trying to hit these timelines. And I was struggling with myself just as like a, I had said I was going to do this and I'm going to do it. And it wasn't like, I'm going to make it done right. I'm just going to do it. Um, And so what eventually I just, when I got to the end chapter that is Ignite, I, I hit a wall and I was like, I can't move on to other material. So I'm just going to stop and make this one book. And Mm -hmm. then I I just did that. I told my editor, Hey, one book we're done here. Let's breathe. And then we'll take all of the next material and we'll do another book. So I did that. I put out what was this little book called cherry blossom season, totally different name. Like this thing has been through so many iterations and (laughs) that little book went out and I started like just a little Facebook page and doing these like weird marketing things to just see what I could do I was totally winging it like I just did every if I was like I would never do that who would do that I was like okay well that means I have to do that like I'll start a Facebook page and I'll do crazy things and I'm gonna say things that are gonna like incite people and I'm just gonna do it and then I had this guy reach out to me he's like I found you on Facebook I'm everything you're saying all of your posts are are things that are resonating with me in my life he's like I I would just love to have coffee with you he's like I just want to talk because I'm struggling with some things and you seem to have kind of the answers to what I'm I'm feeling. Mm. And I'm like, okay, weird. Once again, no, but okay. (laughs) Yes, I have to. So the guy picks up my book and we meet for coffee the next day. And (laughs) he read the whole thing that night. And the first thing he said, and at that time, the final chapter in here was chapter 19. And Mm. he's like, how did you know to write chapter 19? he's like, how did you know everything that's going on in my head? Like, and I'm, like I'm looking at this guy, he's 65 years old. He's like a oh, retirement wow. age guy. And I'm like, I don't know. And he just, you know, we had this brilliant conversation about all of the struggles that people have in life and, and what, you know, we power through and, and just, like certain interactions with people and relationships that are hard and and like failed relationships with people that sort of really take away, you know, your happiness and how do you move forward from there? And after I left that conversation, I was like, oh my God. Okay. So maybe this little thing I was doing could be a bigger thing. And so Mm -hmm. then I started pushing it and I started like trying to get, you know, bigger and get exposures and maybe get a publisher and So I started working with another woman. She wanted everything in one book. I spent a year with her, like taking what was cherry blossom season, adding another book, writing what then is now basically the bones of book three. Um, Mm. It it was this huge thing. So her and I worked together for a year. It was a 190,000 word book.
1: Oh, wow. By the time we
0: were done. (laughs) and
1: It's like the I Lord of the Rings it. trilogy, just all at once.
0: <laughs> exactly. I hated it. I hated it. Mm. I spent all this time. I spent, you know, like just I invested so much of my life, and uh, you know, I trusted and trusted, and then I looked, and I was like, oh, oh, what do I do now? You know. So that was the point where I was like, I stopped. I stopped everything. I, I published it myself for a second, just to like put it out into the world and you know, as, as writers we're always like, I just want to make sure I've trademarked this and it exists somewhere that somebody knows like I really do own this um, just in case, right. you know, somebody else had the material. And then I, I submitted to Kirkus uh, for a review just because I was like, well, why not? And the right. review came back and was like, you know, plot holes, there's some things here. This is far too dense. We need to, she needs to go through some copy editing, but this has tremendous potential. And I really hope the author doesn't set this work down. Wow. So I was like, Damn. at first I was like, can I be done? And that's right. where that my two-year break had to take place because so much stuff that I had stuck in my head just organically unraveled in those two years. And then quarantine hit and I was home from work and I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, how about I fix my books?
1: Right. Yeah. And well, I think that's, oh, so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you
0: no no so that's where ignite came from
1: yeah i just think it's i think it's so cool too to hear um i don't know i think we also i think and you know this is so cliche to say at this point but especially in the modern era of social media and everything it's like we see people and it's just like oh well that person does this thing or this person does that thing and you're either you've either succeeded at it and you're that or you've never done it and and you're not that at all. And and that's not actually how it works. Like I've talked to so many different authors at this point that not your exact story certainly, but have stories where they're starting something and then coming back to it much later. Um and I think that there's I think it's powerful for for people to hear that to understand that like just because you started something even if you worked on it for that long and put as much effort as you did, even if at the end of that, it's not exactly what you were wanting, like that doesn't mean you have to completely quit. Even if it, you stop for two years, like you did, like you can always come back and do it again and and continue working on it and make something that, that you're proud of and that that you're excited by. Um, again, I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense either. No. <laughs> I don't know if, despite hosting a podcast, I don't know if I make sense most of the time.
0: <laughs> you're, you are so right on. And these are the things that I, I think we when we first start our projects, don't have the wherewithal to adopt. You know, we all mentally are it, it it takes wisdom and patience and failing and dying to yourself a little bit, letting your ego go, letting your pride go. and and I, eventually, I you know, once I finally put this out and met just a couple of readers, you know, anybody, I was like, you know what? i being a writer these days is not going to make you money. It's not for the fame or, or anything like that. Writing is how I process my world. And mm. I, it's how I like interact best with the world. I, I love reading other people's stories because it teaches me a million things and it shows me inside other people's minds. And I, I, you know, I like to share, you know, my personal like soul on yeah. one page with people. And if anyone appreciates it, that's winning That's success. Um, And it took me a long time to finally put that as my, like my win.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, it's, but it's, it's kind of what you spoke to earlier. I think, you know, whenever you start something new, you don't know that much about it, right? Like whenever you, whenever you start writing a book if you've never written before or, or whatever the creative endeavor may be. So you have this idea of what it means and what it is and how it will go, but all of that is made up, right? Like all of like, when I very first started meditating, like I didn't meditate for a long time because I thought to do meditation, you had to be like this Buddhist monk at a temple. That's like floating above a pillow. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, that's not really what it's about at all. But I didn't learn that until I started just doing it all the time. And it's like, Oh, this is way more approachable and accessible than I thought it was. Right. And, And there's more nuance to this than I was giving it credit for. I thought it was this like all or nothing thing. And there's, there's a lot of space in the middle, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: That is beautiful. That is yes, meditation is one of those things where it does. It feels like there's a wall. You're like, "Oh, no. That I need to go to right. the Indian places where the people wear the colored garments and if I don't do that then I'm not doing it right." Right. <laughs> I actually had a friend um who considered himself like a modern day monk and like modern day Buddhist monk and he lived in a van and he came from Mormonism and just sort of you know turned that way and his whole purpose in life was to just teach people how to meditate teach people how to come to that point within themselves and that changed everything for me that was a game changer when I finally learned how to find that space within myself and and let things exist there
1: yeah well i mean it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where it's like there's so many external things in life and and like i said earlier i mean relationships with other people can be super impactful so again there's a spectrum to all of this Mm -hmm. but the truth is is that most of what we experience is what we perceive and that's all in our own head (laughs) right and and unless you can get in touch with that it can be difficult to understand that and and so you know while writing and meditation are are different activities potentially I think that for some people at least writing and you spoke to this can be this cathartic kind of experience. So do you write on a daily basis? Like do you journal or are you just working on your, your novels? Like what does writing mean to you on a daily basis?
0: So, Oh my gosh, I am actually a dentist by trade. (laughs) And so when I was writing my books initially, I was, you know, in the practice, like I was, I was working all the time, but I was selling my practice. So I would like write when I wanted to have conversations with people and couldn't because I had to be totally silent mm-hmm. about the whole selling process.
2: Mm-hmm. so
0: It it became initially a conversation that I was having with my laptop. And um, <laughs> then when my practice did sell and I kind of went through like, okay, I'm moving I'm selling my house and I'm going to like, just take a little pause. I, during that pause, I traveled and I wrote constantly. I would mm-hmm. just, be on a plane, I would go to a bar, I would write everywhere. I was awake at night, writing, writing, writing. Um and then and when I went back to dental, it was it was hard to turn the switch off. Um mm-hmm. and so I would like I would work and then I would write at night and and then my whole life was completely out of balance. Um right. and so at that point then it was like I couldn't do I couldn't do anything. I I was a I was a piece. Like uh, my family would be like, "We're gonna go see the Star Wars movie," and I'm like, "I'm gonna write." <laughs> like, <laughs> I just I couldn't do anything else. Um. So now, where I'm at in my life, like I work a couple days, and I have like three days where on those three days I try to wake up and do a little writing. Um. But then I'm also managing my social media accounts. I'm doing interviews with authors and just really trying to stay. Um like connected to all of the parts and pieces of the writing community. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I haven't sat down and done like large chunks of writing right now because I'm not doing anything new. Um, Right. It's it's a different world. Like editing. Now I just wait for like homework assignments.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. No, that that makes sense. So, you mentioned that you know that you you find a lot of value in reading, uh, and that that's so interesting to me too. Because I always thought that every author must be an avid reader because of exactly what you described. But I've talked to several authors that actually don't really read that much. Um, but what kind of books do you find yourself reading? I mean, I know you mentioned memoirs. Is it primarily that, or do you? Right. Well, yeah. What are you What are you reading?
0: Um, right now, I am reading uh, something under the magnolias for the reading like uh, book club in my my neighborhood. And I literally just started reading that yesterday. I, that is only because I'm like, you know what? I would never pick this book up myself. The book club is reading it and I I need to go make friends with this book club. So that's what I'm reading right now. Awesome. Um, My, you know, I always have like my favorites. I, the Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, Eye of the World series was like one of my all time favorite reads That's so cool. Yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff. I love um, like uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I, I, I usually, you know, anything that's like really satirical and just funny and, you know, is classics like um, um, the. OK, hold on a second. What's. <laughs> oh, the anyways. Um, but I I love like a lot of memoirs. Cheryl Strait's uh, Wild is one of my biggest influences ever. Um, but then I also have read, you know, like chronology of water lately, um, just to study my genre. I've read Elizabeth Gilbert's books. I've read, um, you know, a lot of, um, like or love, love warrior stuff. Um, mm. but then I also will then jump around and read, um, uh, everything. I, I, I try yeah. to read everything.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. So are you a... A physical book person, an e-reader person, an audio book person, all of the above? Is there only one right way?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. No, I, they're all awesome. They're like, Legitimately, there is space for every single one of them. And as a writer and an author, damn it, you need to exist in all of them or you're not going to yeah. be relevant. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is my physical copy, which actually I have a beautiful designer and she is redoing my whole look. So despite the fact this is going to be like the Ignite that... 20 years from now is like sold in bookstores for like special that's that's a rare (laughs) edition um but I I love a physical book my Mm -hmm. my favorite nostalgia I want to touch it I want to feel all of the things of course I have an e-reader everything is on the e-reader I buy everything on there so I only get physical books when um like I'm doing a lot of author interviews and they send me physical copies and I'm like you don't know how excited I am (laughs) to hold book. <laughs> um, but when you're reading something like the the wheel of time like those books I listened um probably book six through ten mm. on audible because I would drive and listen to them or I would you know do a mm. workout and listen and so many of my girlfriend's now are like, I am a mom and I am busy. And the only time a book is happening in my life is when I'm driving my car and I listen to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely been the case for me as well. I had never really done audiobooks. And then, uh, several years ago before starting to host podcasts, I started listening to podcasts a lot. And then someone was like, one of my close friends was really suggesting that I try audio books. And yeah, I felt that it, I found that it kind of fits into that same space in my life that the podcast can, where if I'm exercising, cleaning, cooking, just whatever it is, something that's somewhat mundane and doesn't really require that much attention. Um, but I couldn't just like sit on my couch and listen to an audio book, I don't think. Oh, like I'd have no, to have no. something else going. Right. <laughs>
0: If somebody does that, like, I want, do you have comments? I want someone to comment on that and actually say, like, <laughs> I have done this. I want to know how this, this goes. Like, do you feel dirty? Like, that's like the ultimate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's really cool. Well, Marie, I have had an absolute blast chatting with you uh, this evening, and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Your website is mariesworldofwriting.com. I'll have that in the show notes. You've also got an Instagram, also Marie's World of Writing. I'll have a link to that. Um, you've mentioned author interviews you're doing. Where can people find those at?
0: That is all through my Instagram. Um, okay. Marie's World of Writing hosts that. And then I do post that to my YouTube as well. Um, so okay. those are all cataloged there. And my website should have the links to all of those things.
1: Okay, perfect. Well, I'll make sure and include those links in the show notes. so People can just d- quickly, click directly on it. And then also links, obviously, to, to where they can purchase your book. Um, anything else you wanted to cover this evening that I didn't didn't get to?
0: No, no, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Marie.
2: Flood and lakes of that rain cycling the elements through giant sleigh leaving absentee
1: that's all for the show today thank you so much to marie for sharing her walk of life i also want to thank misha zarens for the music in today's show and last but not least thank you listener for listening i also invite you to check out my other shows pick up your sticks which is a video game podcast where we talk about why gaming matters or my other show the crowfall podcast which shares stories and perspectives from the mmo crowfall both of those are available on any podcast app thanks again for the listen have a great week stay up